worship at Hollywood United Methodist Church and happy Mother's Day. We are glad that you have joined us in person and online for this special Sunday. Please now stand as you are able for our opening hymns. I'd love to invite any children to come up on the steps with us, spend a little time before we go off to children's church and youth group. It's so great to see you all. Come on down. I know it's a long aisle, but we will wait for you. Come on, Annalie. Well, good morning. It's great to see you all. Whose tummy is uh, full? Raise your hand. My tummy. Whose tummy is full out there? Raise your hand. We had a really nice Mother's Day breakfast. Um, that happened. I know, yum, it was so good. Thank you for the team that put that together. So I want you to think about your mom 
or your grandma or any woman that has been important to you in your life. And I want you to think of the first word that pops into your head when you think of that person. Raise your hand once you have that word. So let me tell you again what we're doing. Think of your mom or your grandma or any woman that's been important to you in your life. And when you have one word that pops into your head for that person, I want to hear that word. Okay, we'll start here. I'm grateful for my mommy because I love her. That is perfect. Thank you so much. Lovable. Lovable. Mm, yes, I love that. There is no word to describe them. There is no word to describe them. Thank you. Graceful. Graceful. Very nice. Yes, Carolyn. Wait, what are we supposed to do? So what are we supposed to do? So the rules are, again, you think of your mom, your grandma, or any woman that's been important to you. And what is the first word that pops into your head when you think of that person? Do you have another one? Okay. the tip of your tongue. Perfect. I heard someone say perfect. Is that the word you wanted to go with, Caroline? Is that your final answer? We, we have church, Caroline, that we have to get to. Okay. Describe your mom. What's that? She's nice, All right, all right, all right. We can go. We'll do a lot of this in, when we get to children's church. But I just want you to all know that all of those attributes that you've described and the things that you think about, they do describe incredible women in our life. But there are all attributes that also, they come from God. He, he created the people that you're thinking about in your head. And those attributes of grace and love and uh, undescribable care, those all come from God. And he gives those to us to raise you and to teach you how to live. And so we can, not only do we thank the moms and the grandmas and the, women's in our, and the women in our life, we thank God for creating them and for making them who they are, okay? So let's pray, and we will head off to Children's Church. Creator God, we thank you so much for every single woman in this room, whether they are a mom, or a grandma, an aunt, a teacher. Thank you for the women who have guided us, who lead us, who teach us, and who care for us. Thank you for those that work in the children's church and those that are ushers and those that are singing in the choir. Thank you for the women who have always been leaders in the church. I think we have a church here because of women, and so we celebrate all women today. We celebrate the moms and the mom figures, and we thank you for uh, these children that represent their nurture and their care. Thank you, God, for creating them. Thank you for all of those attributes that we can, um, uh, uh, we can say that are from you, and uh, pray that we would be more like the women in our lives. In your name we pray, amen. As the children head off to Children's Church and as the youth go off to the youth group, we're going to go clean up the gym. Uh, I invite you all to stand and pass the peace of Christ to one another. folks in the balcony a little piece up there to all our folks watching at home we miss you the peace of the Lord be with you it is my honor right now and my pleasure to invite you into this very special time of our service where we have a conversation with God where we set aside a moment for peace and stillness for music and inspiration to offer our prayers so I invite you to take it just a deep breath to settle yourselves Let it out. I invite you now to receive our opening call to prayer from our wonderful choir.
Let us pray. Mother God, creator of life, of all that is good and holy, we thank you for this life that you have given to us. We confess we have not always been everything that we wish we could be for you. And yet, you continue to love us and welcome us home. We are grateful for your eternal embrace that gives life and brings healing. Thank you for making us a part of your glorious creation. Help us to be useful to your work in the world. Embolden us to praise and sing your name and tell all about the mother of life. God, we give thanks and honor today for our mothers, the life that they have given us, for all the work and the sacrifice and the lessons taught. We also offer our gratitude to those who mothered us and loved us, in addition to those who bore us, who loved us and cared for us, sometimes when our own mothers didn't or couldn't. Comfort those who grieve mothers who have gone on before and whom for today there is a moment of sadness. Heal those who have known hurt because of broken or fractured relationships with their parent. Help us to honor those who have lost children and those who have chosen a different path to motherhood, but still bring life and joy to your world. We offer thanks and love for all those who have nurtured us in our lives and brought forth your mothering spirit into the world and who have made us whole. Help us find the nurturing force in each of us so that we might care for one another, our planet, your creation. Make us your hands and feet and your heart in the world. This morning we pray for Weldon and his loved ones. May he know healing. We pray for continued strength on the journey of recovery for Ruth and for Richard and for the ease of grief for Dan and his family and so many others who have known loss of late. We offer all these prayers to you and more in this moment of silent prayer because we know that you receive and hear everything that lingers on our hearts and minds. Dear God, for this and more, we thank you. We thank you for this time of prayer and worship set aside to honor you, but really what it does is open our hearts and make our lives that much better in this moment and in the days to come. It is a gift to us, and yet you invite us to participate in it and make yourself known. We know that we can pray to you and come to you every single day, and for this we are so grateful, and especially for the gift of your son, Jesus, who loved us even onto the cross and beyond, and who taught us how to pray. Our parent who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. As Pastor Kathy mentioned, we had an incredible Mother's Day breakfast in the gymnasium today. And so I just want to take a special moment to recognize Dan Cox. I don't know if he's in here or if he's still in the gym. Dan, are you in here? Well, we're going to give him some love. He's not in the room, but he did an incredible job creating this massive, massive meal for us. And he had a ton of help, including our United Methodist men, many other volunteers who came, and a bunch of youth. So if you were a volunteer at the breakfast this morning, can you please stand just for a moment? <laughs> Pastor Bridie appreciated two kinds of bacon, two kinds of pancakes. <laughs> 
huge fruit salad, three kinds of syrup, 10 desserts. I think there might even be some leftovers, so uh, you should check in on that before we leave. So thank you so much for that work and that honoring of love and also the memory of our beloved Pat who would offer that service to our congregation every year. I have a few announcements for you about things that are coming up in the life of the church. Monday night, tomorrow night at 7 p.m., Pastor Kathy is going to host a meeting to discuss Pride um, and what our work is going to be in Pride. Pride is coming up, and we're going to be in the parade. So if you'd like to be a part of that planning, if you'd like to join in, email Pastor Kathy to get the Zoom. On May 22nd, we are volunteering with Food on Foot, which is a wonderful local organization that not only provides direct services to people who are living unhoused, but actually lots of training. Folks run their own programs, and we get to go and join them for two hours right after church, 12.30 to 2.30. You do have to register, and we have eight people registered so far. I have turned in your name, so if you are thinking of doing something else that Sunday, your name is turned in. <laughs> I'm going to be calling you. Be sure to be here that Sunday. I'm also preaching. Um, but if you would like to join us, uh, please let me know. Just send me an email. It's not too late. We'd love to have you, and it's going to be an amazing experience. And lastly, everything that we do here at this church, every piece of ministry, everything that we do to serve God is made possible not only by God's loving embrace and powerful Holy Spirit that he pours over us in our entire community, but also by your offering and your gifts that go to sustain and build the loving presence of this congregation in the heart of Hollywood, in a city that needs it, and a world and a country that needs to hear God's justice and total inclusion for all people. So please give as generously as you are able.
A reading from John. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of God, uh, John, do you love me? Peter said, felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, do you know everything? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. A word of God that is still speaking. Thanks be to God. This morning we continue our Eastertide sermon series entitled, Why Pray? Remembering that it was the 19th century philosopher and theologian Soren Kierkegaard who wrote that the function of prayer is not to influence God, but rather to change the nature of the one who prays. When we place ourselves before God in prayer, we are changed. Our hearts are opened. We no longer think of ourselves as self-sufficient. Instead, we open ourselves to God's presence and power in our lives and form a relationship with God through prayer. So over these six weeks, we're considering not just why, but how to pray using the elements of the Lord's Prayer as recorded in the Gospel of Matthew in the center of the Sermon on the Mount. And as a basis for this series, I'm using a book by the Reverend Adam Hamilton, pastor and founder of the Church of the Resur United Methodist Church of the Resurrection in Kansas City, called The Lord's Prayer, The Meaning and Power of the Prayer that Jesus Taught. I encourage you to read the book. It's an easy read, but also to join our online discussion group on Wednesdays at 6 o'clock via Zoom. So we started this series by contemplating our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We talked about why Jesus said our rather than my, concluding that we all belong to God, thus we need to acknowledge our corporate and our community prayer to God. 
Last week we considered thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about what our world would be like if God's kingdom fully existed on earth and where we can see glimpses of the kingdom in our everyday lives. We also talked about the gap between the world as it is and the world as it could be and we are, how we are called to bridge that gap to bring forth the kingdom. Today, the next phrase is, give us this day our daily bread. And what does it mean to pray to God for our daily bread? Now, as we did at the very beginning of the prayer, we note that we ask God to give us our daily bread, not give me my daily bread. These are the sorts of details we can miss when we say the Lord's Prayer in a rote way. We're not praying just for ourselves and our needs. We're praying for all God's children to receive bread. Hamilton invites us to consider the word daily, which is found in both Matthew and Luke's version of the prayer. In Greek, the word is epiousian, and what makes this word interesting to this point is that it hasn't before existed in Greek. Jesus spoke in Aramaic, leaving early Christians to translate what he said into Greek, the universal language of the Roman Empire at that time. So very early on in the history of Christianity, someone used the word epiusian to describe the bread Jesus was inviting us to pray for. But it doesn't translate exactly as daily. Epi means on or in, Usios means essence or being. Thus, epiusian would seem that what is needed for us to be, or that which is essential. So perhaps a better way of saying this phrase, Hamilton says, is to give us this day our daily bread, is to pray instead, give us today the bread, the food that we need to exist. Now, most of us in this room, not all, but most, pray this prayer even as we know where our next meal is coming from. We have food on our shelves at home and in our refrigerators. Everyone who came to breakfast this morning had an extraordinary meal and no one walked away hungry. But most of us here, I would dare to say, are not food insecure. The reality is in Los Angeles County, according to a study led by USC last year, one in three households experienced food insecurity during the pandemic. We can remember seeing the lines for food up at the Hollywood Bowl and at other parts of our county and other parts of our nation. Folks waiting in their cars for hours for food boxes. Remember how many families went to school to get the free food that was offered for free lunches and free breakfast. Even though the schools were closed, they were giving out the food because for some children, those were the only meals that they had on a regular basis. The USC study goes on to say that one in 10 households continued to experience food insecurity in the first half of 2021. And we've got 10 million people in this county, so that's a significant and wholly unacceptable amount of our neighbors, whether they be housed or unhoused, for whom we need to pray God Give us today the daily bread that our neighbors need to exist. Our efforts with Food on Foot on May 21st is one step that we can take toward helping alleviate food insecurity, and we'll be continuing to look for other ways as well. Well, in our gospel lesson for this morning, we find Peter and the other disciples trying to avoid food insecurity themselves by taking up their old job as fishermen. Not surprising, after all they had been through, they would want to do something familiar, something routine, something that could get their mind off of what had happened. So they pile into their boats and they fish all night. And what do they catch? Not a thing. But just after daybreak, John tells us, Peter and the others were dejected, and yet they see a man standing on the shore. They didn't know it was Jesus, but he called out to them, children, you got any fish? And they said, no, we don't. And he said, well, cast your nets on the other side of the boat and see what happens. And what a catch they made. 
Now at this point, Peter recognizes Jesus. He puts on his clothes because of course Peter is naked and he runs ashore to greet the risen Christ. They set up a barbecue and Jesus cooks breakfast for them. This was his third appearance to the disciples after the resurrection. And after they'd all eaten, Peter and Jesus had some us time, which I imagine was both thrilling and slightly awkward for Peter. Jesus knew that Peter had denied him three times before he was crucified. Peter knew that Jesus knew. And here they were together again. My guess is Peter was trying to figure out a way to apologize. But Jesus deals with the awkwardness of the situation by asking a very simple question. He says, Simon, do you love me? Jesus could have handled it all in a very different way, a very judgmental way. He could have said, Simon, are you ashamed of denying me? He could have said, Simon, I understand you lied about knowing me. He could have said, Simon, how can I be sure you won't deny me in the future? But Jesus didn't do any of those things. He simply asked three times, Simon, do you love me? And three times, Jesus, Peter responds by saying, yes, Lord, you know I love you. The great preaching professor at Luther Seminary, David Lose, once wrote, that Jesus asked Peter three times whether he loves him, three times. Imagine if someone you cared about asked you if you really love them, not once, not twice, but three times. Painful. And Peter is indeed hurt by this repetition. I suspect that only later did it sink in that Jesus is not testing Peter, but reinstating him to the community of believers by allowing him to confess faith the same number of times he had denied faith earlier. Jesus is drawing Peter back into a community to which he belongs and accepts him for who he is. Jesus also knew that as much as there were people who had physical hunger, who needed the fish that Peter and the others would catch, all of God's children needed their spiritual hunger to be fed. That's a hunger for God's love and justice and grace and mercy. Jesus knew that Peter and the gang were going to be the ones to feed that spiritual hunger going forward. So in response to each of Peter's confessions, Jesus gives him good work to do. Jesus says, take care of my flock, guide my people, feed my sheep. Give them the essence of what is needed to exist on a daily basis. Last week at Holy Communion, Bishop Swenson referenced this passage and the importance of Christ breaking bread, not just before he was crucified, but after his resurrection. The bread is an expression of Christ's presence and the life he wishes to give to us, to sustain us, to strengthen us to nourish our very souls. Will Willimon and Stanley Hauerwas in their book on the Lord's Prayer wrote that when we want to meet God, we Christians don't go up some high mountain, we don't rummage around in our psyches, we do not hold hands, close our eyes and sing kumbaya. No, we gather and we break bread in Jesus' name because that is where he has chosen to meet us. Now, throughout scripture, when bread is mentioned, it usually has a double meaning. First, the actual physical bread or food, but the word bread exists as a metaphor for that which we need daily. In this case, our need for meaning and purpose and connection with God. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are praying for both the physical food that we need to survive, but also for deeper meaning in our lives. We're praying for a faith that satiates the spiritual hunger that comes from living in a broken and hurting world that too often causes us more pain than joy. When we pray the Lord's Prayer, we are praying to receive Jesus as the bread of life, the bread that fills us and makes us, all of God's children, whole again. 
And after the events of this past week, we need that bread of life to make us all whole. I wrote about this in my From the Pastor last Friday. In part, when we learned this week that the Supreme Court intends to not just restrict, but entirely overturn the settled law that is Roe versus Wade, my need to speak out on an issue that I have not been active in took a hard turn. No matter what your views on choice are, this presumed opinion should be cause for alarm for us all. The issue is not abortion itself. It's about the willingness of a court to turn back the rights, in this case of women, on a dime. Because by no means is this the end goal. It's just the beginning. Marriage equality, trans rights, and more will now be in the crosshairs of both the courts and our elected officials. And family, I believe that this means we need to solidify who we are and what we believe. We must be ready to stand up for the values that define us. Equality, responsibility, autonomy, and justice, love of God and neighbor, and be willing to be called out by others because of our beliefs and our values. <laughs> I couldn't tell. <laughs> both within the denomination and in greater society, God is relying on us to stand up for God's own people. Poor people seeking relief, trans youth, gay folks facing discrimination, and we must not waver in our efforts because the future of our children is at stake. Pastor Bridie will have more to say on this when she preaches in a couple of weeks. And we will be looking to join forces with other people of faith to speak out when the actual decision is announced next month. In the meantime, we must look for ways in which we can be like Peter and feed Jesus' flock the bread of life, of love and grace and justice for all. And I'll close with a story that illustrates how we might do so. One day this past week, I went to one of my favorite restaurants in Montrose and sat outside and ordered my favorite salad. The women at the table next to me who were separated by a plastic wall were having a lively conversation with, the, uh, with their server. He's the best server in the restaurant and he takes good care of his customers. Now these women, who were in their early 80s if they were a day, asked him what he was doing for Mother's Day. And he replied that his mom had passed. And then they asked about his mother-in-law. And he said he really didn't talk to her too much as he'd been married to a man for 27 years and she didn't really approve of their marriage. Well, grandma number one, we'll call her, said that was just awful and she hoped he had a good weekend anyway. Well, when he walked away, the women began talking to themselves. Now, mind you, I'm trying to just to sit there and eat my salad, but oh, I'm listening, I'm totally listening. I don't exactly know what the second woman says because she had her back to me. I couldn't quite tell. But she's, the grandma number one said, I knew you didn't hear him. Margaret, he's gay. And his mother-in-law is homophobic and that's just wrong. Again, I couldn't hear the second woman's response. But grandma number one was not mincing words. And Margaret, your son is gay. Mm-hmm. Hand to God, this is not pastor privilege, this is truth. And she's, and I don't know what the response was, I'm guessing it was a yes, I love him. And she said, well then, don't we all want the best for our children, no matter how God created them to be? All we want is for them to be happy. And I hope his mother-in-law comes around because we need more love in this world. So on this Mother's Day, on this Mother's Day, let us pray for more grandma number ones. Let us pray for all those who hunger for bread and for justice, for equality and for love to find it. And let us pray, give us this day the bread we need to exist. Give us this day, O oh Lord, the essence of your being so that we might care for others in your name, risen Christ. Amen.
This week, may our prayer be, O oh Lord, give us the essence of what we need to exist. Give us this day our daily bread. Go forth now to love and serve the Lord. Amen.